0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to our last episode of Houndcast for season four. Uh, For today, Justin Durensis, Assistant Director of Alumni and Family Engagement, I will be your host. And my co-host this afternoon is Jessica Weaver, a Leadership Gift Officer for Family Philanthropy. Jess, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: Good, thank you. And also joining Jess today is Terry O'Rourke, class of 1986. Terry, thanks so much for being on with us today. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me. It's great to be
2: here. It's my first podcast. so I'm very excited.
0: Yes, and I'm very excited for you to be able to share your story with Jess and obviously to be our last Pound cast guest for season four. So we're going off this season with uh with this here. He is so. gonna bring
1: it. We've been <laughs> practicing, so everybody better be excited.
0: <laughs> well, great. Well, Jess, would you like to would you like sure. to take it away? Yeah.
1: I've had the really good pleasure of having to spend a lot of time with Terry and I've learned a lot about him. But I think, you know, what's interesting is learning a little bit more about what Moravian has done for Terry and, you know, kind of the difference that it's made for him. Yeah. So I um, grew up in Danville, Pennsylvania. It's a small town. And one of the things I was looking for in a college was small. That was very big. Emphasis. So when I looked around, it's kind of a coincidence that I even came to Moravian because one of my neighbor's brother wanted me to come here and interview. And it just turned
2: out worked out very well. And I made a good decision coming here because it, it is a small school. I didn't want to be student number one, one, five, six, seven. I wanted to be Terry O'Rourke, And I'm very shy and it, despite what it might sound like at this uh, interview. And I didn't wanna be, you know, the 50th person in line to talk to a professor if I actually got up the nerve to talk to a professor. So, Moragan worked very well that way. I had, academics were no issue. I was very easily equaled any of the other students I met later on in my career for their training and stuff and the big
0: things that Moravian
2: did for me is one thing is the emphasis on thinking and learning to think learning to process information and the other thing was writing and learning to write And even though I took writing courses the best writing advice I got was from my biology professor Donald Hozier who told me just why what you mean and I've taking that advice uh, all the way to, to now. So the things that Meridian does for you otherwise, because it's a small school, if you're a relatively good student, you get a lot of confidence because you get the successes and you don't have a whole lot of other people that are better than you. Uh, there's a good Malcolm Gladwell video about that. So why don't send your kid to Harvard, send them to somewhere, even mentions Bloomsburg University, but uh, send them to a smaller school where they'll be the best chemistry student or biology student rather than the 80th best and it's good for your confidence and i went into medical school very confident in myself i knew i could process huge amounts of information i could write well i could do the work and the first year actually was very easy because i'd already taken histology and pathology type courses here in anatomy so my learning curve wasn't as steep as some of the other students so those were all the, the good things
1: Moranian did for me then. And since then it's been, I hate to use the word family, but it's it's a little
2: step below that. But still there are people here that I could always come back and visit. And alumni engagement people would arrange for me to meet Frank Kuserk, who unfortunately passed away tragically a few years ago. But he would always come out and show me what his honor students were doing and of different projects he's working on, which to me meant a lot, you know, coming back to school and having people remember who you were 20, 25 years later is, is amazing. So those are the good parts
1: about Moravian for me and what I took moving forward. And I think that's probably more answer
2: to the question than you wanted, but at the same time, we can no, move on to it. the next topic.
1: <laughs> I love the advice. It's, you know. Go somewhere and be the best. Go somewhere and be the
2: best. It's very humiliating if you're always getting beaten by somebody else. If
0: you're a competitive
1: person. True story. Uh,
2: When you can, you know, get the highest grades or or be near the top or have the best answers to the questions, it means a lot to you just moving forward because then you know you can do it, even when you're around a bunch of people who went to Harvard or Yale or whatever. Right. And I took a candle to none of them. I was fine, and they're knowing knew more about these things than I did just because they went to different schools
1: right right so after Moravian you headed off to med school medical school
2: right so I went to, to Jefferson uh, it's now got a different
1: name okay I fit right in there academically certainly intellectually because it, it I'd had such good training at Moravian
2: and that was uh, is a different experience when you go in with the ambitions I had, which were very few. I just wanted to be a family medicine doctor. I didn't have any great aspirations of getting the top residency in ophthalmology anywhere. So I kind of lowered my standards maybe a little bit and, and tried to enjoy life a little bit more, enjoyed living in Philadelphia, played a lot of basketball and lifted a lot of weights and stuff. And it was, it was a good growing experience for me. And by the time I graduated, I was pretty well-trained but still very confident in what I was gonna be able to do with my life. And fortunately from there, I'd managed to get an Air Force scholarship through my medical school time. And then I decided, again, with no ambition to just go ahead and do an Air Force residency at two because it was just easier. You didn't have to do too many interviews, you didn't have to buy suits or anything. I've been in the Air Force and the reserve capacity for three years while I was in school. And then I became active duty and did my residency at Andrews Air Force Base. And two events around that time triggered a lot of other things in my life. And one of them was right before I graduated from medical school, I managed to get a trip to England and Scotland, and I'd not been out of the country before that. And it was fascinating to me. And I love traveling, and that got the birth of my Traveling Jones, as I like to call it. And from the time that I finished my residency and my time in the Air Force, all I wanted to do was travel. So I ended up being a traveling doctor and did that for 19 years. And part of the reason why I did that too was to be able to do some volunteer work and particularly medical mission work. At the time, I was a very religious young man and I was very devoted to service. And I really wanted to go to take care of the poor and do whatever I could for them. And it turned out there wasn't that much. A lot of the time I was in Swaziland which is the hottest hotbed of HIV and AIDS back in the early 2000s. And early on, we had no treatments other than symptomatic care. But you just did the best you could every day. And you could see that the other providers, other people working there were kind of tired of it at that point. It's very depressing work, but every person was counting on you to do your best. And you can't ever forget that, especially as a doctor, that even if it's the 25th patient you've seen that day, you're the only doctor that's seen that day most of the time, for, for most of their sakes. But you've got you've to get it done. You've got to keep it going. And that's part of my training, but also, again, going back to my time in Arabia, I ran cross-country track. And I still run, and I still stay in good shape. And being at that, that level of fitness and that level of resistance to fatigue really helps in every factor of life when you can do it, but especially in medicine, especially when, like I said, you've got long days and people are expecting you to be a hundred percent after you've been doing it all day long. So those are the kind of things that I've done and been doing. I kind of want
1: to know how many patients a day you saw in Swaziland as compared to how many patients a day you see in the United States. So
2: there's, there's really almost no comparison. Right. Except the I guess there are ordinal numbers that represent the numbers. But we would come in in the morning. I was usually the first one to get to the clinic. And I worked in what they called the OPP, the department. And it would be a cacophonous mess. There would be hundreds of people already there by 9 o'clock in the morning. And usually what would happen with me was the nurses would triage and they would find all the patients that had complicated problems and then they would just stack their documents on my desk so i would just start seeing them and all the people who didn't want to work that day but they had to see a doctor right but you would i would usually see probably 60 or 70 patients oh wow most of them complicated ones that had been triaged already for me to take care of and then the other thing that i ended up doing is some of the other doctors would come down and just work for a little bit and they order a bunch of tests and leave and then i would have those patients come back for the follow-up of their tests and they wouldn't have written anything down. So then I'd have to talk to them, try to figure it out. So it was very um, overwhelming and your senses were just always at, you know, 100% the whole time trying to deal with the noise and the, the smells and the sights, the visuals, et cetera. So it was uh, always fascinating, often frustrating, And you end up doing a lot of things that you can't even imagine doing in America. Things uh, probably you shouldn't even talk about, but they were just better for the patients to do in a convenient time. Not consuming You had to be very efficient with your time. And we also had lots of students and other people that were there that I was having to teach while we were there, too. So it would get very hectic. But at the end of the day, you knew you'd done something. As opposed to now with computer records and basically being mostly a full-time data entry clerk and a part-time doctor, it's very different. Nowadays, max out in the low 20s with the number of patients in a day. And sometimes it's less, once you throw in all the physicals and other things we do that they don't do in other countries, the numbers definitely are less
0: as far as your experience terry like being here and kind of getting all the skills that you needed to to get to be successful in medical school you know how did you feel that moravian prepared you you know to make that transition to be able to have those skill sets and to be able to have those competencies to be successful at that next stage
2: well the good thing that you realize is biology of biology everywhere you can't really enhance it so you know you're get, learning the same things everybody else's. The main thing is mastering material, and that's where I really sat down and tried to figure out my best studying techniques. And I learned that just copying and recopying my notes is very helpful, and that served me in good stead through medical school as well. The other things that it did was expose you to the topics at fairly in-depth level, so you were not just learning things superficially. And the experiences in the labs here were fantastic. So we really had, you know, complete understanding of histology, and how to prepare the slides, all of that stuff. And physiology and, and cell physiology, all that stuff. It was very complete. It wasn't like we were doing some second-rate training here. It was excellent. You knew once you started talking to other people at medical school that you were at least as well prepared if not better prepared than most if not all of them. So it gave me a lot of confidence early on to see that I was fine. and I was going to do just fine. So Moravian, the other thing that I mentioned it teaches you to think. So you're learning to, to reason, to look at a problem, see all of its nuances, and then trying to make the best solution to that. And that's what I love the most about being a doctor. Someone comes to you with a problem, you break it down and build back up, and then you solve it. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes you're just kind of like, yeah, we're missing a few pieces, but the puzzle is kind of looking like what we want it to look like. And that's very gratifying. When you get the puzzle complete and the person's happy and you're happy, then that's like the apex of medicine. And unfortunately, it doesn't happen all that often, but when it does, it makes everything else worth it.
1: We talked a lot about you know Moravian and all the things that you know how it's launched you to certain places, but I'd love to talk about your travels. You have been to so many interesting places that most people are bucket list items, and you make them a reality. Tell me about your favorite one.
2: From a travel standpoint, there's like the work travel and there's the personal travel. I would say
1: for the work travel, I really like Africa. It's just you can't beat it
2: now to generalize, I was a gigantic continent, and other cultures are very different from different areas, but the people in general, very nice, very welcoming, very good senses of humor, and uh, very appreciative of what you do. They are not necessarily, people were always kind of expecting people to be worshiping me almost as I come in and, and make them feel better, and that's not happening, but there's true gratitude. There's, there's definitely a, a sense that what you did was appreciated Um, there. So from a work standpoint, that's probably my favorite. I would love to go back if I could find the right situation. From a personal travel standpoint, I just like going anywhere. Uh, Europe is fantastic. Italy is a great country. I love Iceland. I've been there several times. Ireland is sort of a whole facade. And I've been there probably five times and I really like Ireland. And I just went to Antarctica and that's a fantastic place to be once you get there, uh, but it's hard to get there and hard to get back. It's not an easy trip, uh, so not recommended if you if you have problems with the ocean. So from, from that standpoint, those are kind of the travel highlights. But I worked as a doctor, I think, in eight countries, and each, again, was sort of a different niche I was filling. But at the same time, the thing I like about that is you go to a place and you see what needs to be done, how to do it, you figure it out, you're just kind of, again, problem solving and trying to make the biggest difference you can with the time that you have. And that's the the challenge that I love. And I love that even as a traveling doctor, you go into a small town like Bradford, Pennsylvania, or um, Lenore, North North Carolina or someplace like that, and you, you figure out what the people are like, what the employers are like, what the medical system's like, and then you try to make it work the best. And that's the thing that I think I'm really good at, is just getting the best out of whatever I'm dealt. I'm not a very good poker player, but I'm pretty good at life in that way, i like to think. Jess and I have talked about is whether I could bring that experience of travel to Moravian in some way. And right. we're in very preliminary discussions of that. Unfortunately, it's very, very-
1: preliminary, but we are Very,
2: very uh, time intensive kind yeah. of stuff that I don't know I would, if I would be able to do as a full-time employee physician But we'll see. Maybe once I get closer to retirement, we can cook up some kind of good adventure for the students at Meridian. But we are lucky that
1: you're here now full-time, right? Yes,
2: yes. So I'm in the area now. I moved back to the Lehigh Valley because I like it so much. And I'm hoping to get involved in Meridian in in ways that aren't too annoying to people (laughs) and aren't too self-serving, more to help other people out than to gratify me. So my motto all throughout my life, by the way, is it's not about me. And sometimes mm-hmm. it is a little bit too much about me, but I still try to keep that. But the
1: that self-awareness motto. is on point, right? I, I still try to keep that motto right. in place, <laughs> especially
2: when it's a long day and you're hungry, but somebody needs your care, and you got to pay attention to them and listen to them. It's not about me. It works pretty well. Would
1: that be your great advice to give to students? Yes, yes. Entering? So yeah.
2: we we keep hearing about the younger generation yeah. being sort of selfish and self-centered and absorbed with their uh, social media things. And maybe that's true, maybe that's not, I think, on a case by case basis, it, it, you would probably find it's not the case. But uh, and we, and we don't want to overgeneralize about anybody, but that's the thing when you're looking around, be self aware, know what your situation is, and appreciate that other people could benefit from some little things you could do and some big things you could do as well. Right. If you just sometimes it's just a little effort on your part makes a big difference. I was working for a while at one of our rival institutions as a doctor. And I used to tell this, the students there, you know, you, you can say hello to people on campus here when you're walking around, it's all right. Right. You know, you right. don't have to be, you know, have your head up in the air. And they still wouldn't say hello to me very often. But it's, it's a very interesting way to go in life. And I understand people grow up in different environments where people don't greet each other. You know, it's a very cultural thing, but at the same time, it makes a difference in your day just trying to do little things for other people as well. A little greeting, a smile, a wave, makes a big difference in people as they're going out to today. And I wasn't very good at that when I was a student, but I've gotten better at it as I've gotten older. So it's somewhere where a lot of people could
1: It's funny what you say about, you know, people don't say hi to New York. I met one of our international, I think he's a visiting professor here from our seminary, and he's from Tanzania. Mm -hmm. And he said the way that our culture reacts when somebody is at the door, like duck and cover and hide because you don't want to talk to him, whereas in Tanzania, it's, Welcome. welcome, let's share right. food a us share conversation it's that,
2: way. it's that way in a huge part of the yeah. world people are very welcoming, they don't right. lock their doors right. they uh, right. share very uh, liberally even though they have almost nothing Right. and it's, a, it's an old story but it's true you, if you're stopping by someone to visit them in Africa where you know my personal wealth is probably a thousand times theirs, they would make such a fuss and bring out the food and it's, you eat it and share whatever they could with you and meanwhile, what was I even doing? I don't know. But you feel guilty, but at the same time, you realize how good people are right. most of the right. time.
1: I think we all need that now.
2: Yes, it's it's the easiest way to change your life is right. to just start being nicer, yep, it's so and kinder to people. Yeah. It, it makes your day much better, and and uh, and I'm I'm kind of have a reputation as a grumpy guy oh, oh, in a lot of ways. I don't
1: think you're gonna
2: But I've had patients, when I come in the room and I start talking to them and say, oh, I'm not used to this, It sounds almost joyful. And in a way I am, because I'm there to help them and I'm right. trying to boost their spirits. But it's just kind of, it's a very simple way to affect people for the better. It doesn't take that much energy, really, or effort. It's
1: just it nice. takes more energy to be rude.
2: Oh, yeah. And it, think it think
1: does to be nice. It's, it's,
2: the famous more muscles to frown than right. smile.
1: Who needs those wrinkles?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Harry, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. And I think that we can say maybe this is part one. Oh and that there will be a part two. I'm happy to come up. Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
0: So yeah, some, <laughs> some exciting developments be might be happening down the road. So that that is yeah, yeah, we'll exciting. Keep,
2: we'll keep the Moravian uh podcast verse uh up to date on everything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Terry, Jess, thanks so much for joining me for our last episode of this season. And for all the hounds tuning in, be sure to keep a look out and an eye for season five Uh, that will be launching in the fall. Until then, hound them.